Church, here's a little bonus podcast from PG. Um, we just had so much great dialogue and interest in the original goodness chapter that I'm coming to you just by myself um, after talking with Pastor Jeremiah, just thinking that maybe we throw out one um, more thought and ideas around this original goodness idea um, that just really struck a chord with us. I think it's a lot of reframing that's going on right now, right? Um, but both in the Zoom call and in our email conversation with people, kind of resonating with uh, um, what does this mean, original goodness? We've all heard about original sin. And I think what Richard Rohr talked about is that in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, um, just thinking about how God created everything and it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. But you and I tend to go right to chapter 3. And this is again how I was raised, so that um, we are born sinful in nature. And original sin uh, has the, the flow in my own head, not original goodness. And so um, as we've talked about this, one of the questions that came up, so if Christ is everywhere, in everything, um, and uh, if, if the universal truth is that... Um, Everyone then uh, can everyone go to heaven? Was was a question that we got a, a, a asked a lot of questions about, or a question like this: If God created everything, um, I have a hard time wondering why God wouldn't uh, welcome everyone into heaven. Those kind of questions. So we were just talking about it, and I said I'll do a bonus podcast, no extra charge, and I'll try to tackle a little bit of what my pea brain understands about this. And just to be honest with you. When I was in seminary, this was a heaven was this question. I, I really felt like I needed to figure out before I was like called a pastor. And um, it was all the way to my senior year, just trying to struggle with what is this concept of heaven? What what are what it what is God trying to communicate to us? And I really wanted to make sure I had some understanding of this so I knew how to talk about it with other people. Um, so what I'm gonna share with you is not what I was taught in Sunday school. It's not what my parents taught me. It's not necessarily how I grew up in the Lutheran uh, tradition. But in some ways, it's my own Janelle mind trying to make sense of what God has communicated through Scripture and my study and my interaction with God's church as a Christian public leader. Again, don't agree with me necessarily. I just want to share a little bit about um, how I have kind of come to terms with some of these questions, these deep questions, and then I want you to engage me in some dialogue. So if it's full of original goodness, um, if everyone can go to heaven, um, why do we baptize even was brought up? Um, uh, is baptism just to save us from our sins? Yes, and yet the whole piece is about goodness, who we are uh, as God's children, and we proclaim that from the mountaintops. So here's my take. First of all, I want to say foundationally, I believe God created everyone and everything. And I think most of us believe that. God had a hand in all of that. And however we were birthed into this world, it could have been um, all we knew was being birthed by a single parent, um, or we were uh, conceived out of a rape situation, which could be traumatic, um, or like many of us, just born into two single, uh, or two, um, a couple uh, in um, middle class growing up. And when we're birthed into this world, um, we are God's creation. That's who we are. We're God's kids. And we're designed in God's image. Scripture is very clear about this. So in other words, we have God's DNA. 
Yes, we have our mothers and fathers, but we also have God's DNA. And one of the foundational bases I had to come to in seminary was what God creates, God loves, and God redeems. So that's a basic foundational understanding that I minister out of. Now, as a parent, and you've heard Pastor Jeremiah and I talk about this, we've learned a lot of things. I'm responsible for birthing two kids into this world. I know they're God's kids that I've been given to raise and to baptize so they would know who they are and, and to make good humans in this world, in the community. And I can't imagine my kids doing anything or becoming someone that I would stop loving uh, and that would stop me from pursuing a relationship with them. I can't think of anything that would separate me. I'm all about healthy boundaries, as many of you know. I'm all about tough love. Um, but even if my kids rejected me, even if they walked away from me, they never communicated, they severed ties, um, they didn't want to see me or be in relationship with me, and years went by, and they came back and knocked at my front door, I can envision that I would open the door and I would probably speak first and invite them in and invite them to talk. Let's have a conversation. It would require me having a humble heart as well as my child, a contrite spirit we often talk about, um, and a willingness to reconcile. And I do think redemption uh, can happen. I could visualize that. The question is, could I do that for my neighbor kids? Could I do that for some of my friends, my kids' friends? And probably the hardest question was, could I do that for a stranger? And when I think about my own capacity, the answer is clearly no. I mean, I would love to say that I could and I'm capable of it, but the honest answer is no. They're not mine. They're my, my DNA. They're not in relationship with me. We don't have that bond or trust. But if I put myself out of the picture and put God as the parent, welcoming a child of his home, and if God has made every human being, I mean, Scripture talks about knowing every hair on our head. That's everyone that God has created. Could God have a wider gate of welcome than even I could imagine? Even for those that I would judge unworthy or I label as unchristian or I identify even that way? I mean, imagine God can have a wider gate, that God does love all that he has created and God's own desire is to pursue a relationship with every single human that's been created. So not opening the door for my kids and I'm a broken, sinful person, I have a hard time imagining that God wouldn't open the door for all that whom God has created. Um, so then I think about if, if that is part of foundational work. You know, the Bible says that both the righteous and the wicked will rise from the dead. Um, everyone, their, their life, their, 
death, and resurrection as part of our story. That's for every created being. And that covers us all. So when we die, we rise again. And then we find ourselves at God's front door. And I imagine a scene something like this for myself, a, a believer, that I would have the door opened. I see God for the first time face to face. I'm overcome with emotion, but I've been practicing for this day. And I can envision myself saying, God, I'm not worthy of this open door. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I've left undone. You recognize those words? I mean, that's what we practice here in church, practicing for that door to be open at God's front door. And I can hear God saying to me, Janelle, your sins are forgiven. Um, come on in. Come on in and let's feast together. Good and faithful servant of the Lord. Um, you know, come on, come on in. And I think I would. I would enter in God's front door. Now let's talk about a non-believer. Someone doesn't profess. Someone's not practicing like we practice in church. I imagine that when they're at God's front door, and they see and taste and smell and feel the divine presence, which is part of their DNA too, right? That the connection is undeniable. They know that they're connected. And maybe they didn't realize it in their earthly walk, but now, standing at the front door, they start to recognize and start to put together in words. And I can imagine that God would probably speak first, that God would say, you know, welcome. Um, God would stand there saying, um, these are they that have come out of the great ordeal we know as life. That's a quote from Revelation. And say, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You are free. Now, what are you going to choose to do with that kind of freedom? And I do believe at that point that the human being, the human person, could say, no, I reject this. I don't want this. I don't deserve it. It's not good enough. And they can say no to God's forgiveness and grace and abundant welcome. I think there is room for that. But I have a hard time believing that when you reconnect with your DNA, there is not some enticement to be welcomed and loved and enter in that door. So if God has that big of a welcome, if God has the gate so open to eternal life for seemingly everybody, then the question that's come is, so, so what's the point? If this is kind of a universalist, which I, I understand, a universalism, then, then what's the point of living? Why do we do what we do? What, why go to church if everyone just gets in the front door? Well, there is a point. And that point is, when we were born, we were given a gift. Not because we deserved it, not because we asked for it. We had nothing to do with being birthed into the world. Our life is a gift, period. And all people live life. They live a good life. They live a bad life. They live lives of, full of ups and downs. Our American culture teaches a life like this. You want as much money as you can. You want as many shiny things as you can. You want to have um, as many friends as you can. You want good status in the community. And then we're enticed to believe that we're going to have a great life. But we also know how empty 
that life can feel, how empty that life can be living into an American dream. And why? Because God didn't birth us, didn't give us that first gift just to have an ordinary life. Jesus came to give us abundant life. We're not even talking about eternal life or everlasting life. We're talking about now in this earthly life. Jesus came to give us abundant life. And what's the difference? Well, the difference is receiving more of God's gifts that are free and given abundantly to you, like the fruits of the Spirit, or like peace and joy and hope and love that you can't buy at Target or on Amazon Prime. These are from our Creator, the DNA that we share. God wants to give us these gifts so that we would have purpose and meaning and joy. And then we bring a taste of heaven to us. Like we get to taste it and feel and have glimpses of it here in this life. And you all know when you've seen the Holy Spirit at work, the sparkle in somebody's eye, the joy, uh, the happiness, the, the contentment, the peace that passes all understanding. And we say, I want what she's having, right? We want that divine nature to be brought out in us. And Jesus gives us abundant life. That's the point. It reminds me of my Good Samaritan sermon again, that Jesus has to redirect the, the question, not what can I do to have eternal life. Jesus redirects it to say, how can we have abundant life here on earth? Eternal life is coming, but not our focus in our earthly life. It's not going to be a perfect life as Christian but it will be purposeful, all for good. To get back to chapters 1 and Genesis, it is good, very good. And our job is to tap into God's free gifts for us and then to share them abundantly. Simple invitation then to others to come and be fed by Jesus, to come and see as Jesus calls us to do or even as Jesus calls his disciples, come and follow. And it's going to be quite a journey, my friends, but it's all going to be worth it. So at funerals, I say often that I can preach the same gospel for every human being that I'm honored to be presiding at their funeral. Not because I know their lives well. I might not even know them outside of their name and what's written in their obituary, but I know enough to know that they were birthed they had life, and I pray that the family knows they had abundant life in Christ, that they die, and that they rise again. What I can guarantee is how that front door conversation goes. I don't know. The only one I can control is me. The only one that I know is going to have a conversation after I rise from the dead with my living God, what I practice, what I strive for, how I live my life. And I pray that God redeems what God's created because he sees all of us as God's children who is worthy of being welcomed into God's house. So I want you to chew on that with me for a while. I want you to think about that. And I want you to engage me in this kind of bonus podcast about original goodness and why our lives here on earth matter.